who else can create such vivid imagery? Welcome, my mere mortalites, to another round of the book reviews. My name is Kyron, host of the Mere Mortals podcast, but also this one where I dive deeper into the books that I'm reading to give you the juicy information that is contained within to expand upon some themes you might not have realized and to also have a wistful longing for the past. Indeed, we do have John Steinbeck's Cannery Row. So this book was published in 1945 and it's about 150 pages in length. It took me, I'd say, three hours to get through in total. It's a, a rather breeze to get through. It's a short novel of carefree life in Monterey, California, set in the 1930s, the Great Depression period, really. So we're introduced to a cast of very eclectic characters and their peculiar personalities. There's no main ones per se, although I would say Doc and Mac are the ones who drive this story forwards. And that is a loose saying because there is no real plot to this. Uh, basically what happens in the story is that two parties are organized for Doc, who is this uh, person who is an integral part of the community, who cares very much about these ecological specimens and things like that. And Mac, who is kind of a, a carefree bum, I guess, who leads a group uh, of people and they just want to throw some parties for him. So what could go wrong? Well, quite a few things can go wrong. And there's many zany mishaps that happen and the community getting together and all of these characters interacting, I, I would say, is the main driving forward of this book rather than any particular goal or purpose. So... With this, the style of the book is very much broken into these vignettes, these small short stories, very evocative, very perceptive of these individual characters and highlighting how they behave, how they react. And then we see these passages where they all come together in in these interactions, I would say. So getting on to the book itself, the author's uh, John Steinbeck or the author, John Steinbeck. He was born in 1902 and died in 1968. I've reviewed two of his books on this channel before, one of those being The Grapes of Wrath, very highly recommended by me, and then also a sequel, which was called Sweet Thursday. So he's uh, got a, a few, fair few books, I would say, in this, in this genre. And in particular, this book, the reason I said authors was one of the characters, Doc in particular, is very much based on a real life person who was called Ed Ricketts. And also of John Steinbeck's own experience living in Monterey, California, and having these experiences roughly for himself. And you can see some photos from the olden times of, okay, you know, these these experiences, what he was describing are very similar to, to perhaps what he actually lived through. So it's very interesting just seeing this and his conglomeration and how this affects, I suppose, some of the themes that come out of this, which one of the first ones being nostalgia, a sentimental yearning for the past. So like I said, John Steinbeck actually kind of lived some of these experiences. And so I'm going to jump now onto page 57, which will give just a, a rough idea of the type of setting of, of how John Steinbeck was trying to evoke the images of, of this time. So the Carmel is a lovely little river. It isn't very long, but in its course, it has everything a river should have. It rises in the mountains and tumbles down a while, runs through shallows, is dammed to make a lake, spills over the dam, crackles among boulders, wanders lazily under sycamores, spills into pools where trout live, drops in against banks where crayfish live. In the winter, it becomes a torrent, a mean little fierce river, 
And in the summer, it is a place for children to wade in and for fishermen to wander in. Frogs blink from its banks and the deep ferns grow beside it. Deer and foxes come to drink from it secretly in the morning and evening. And now and then a mountain lion crouched flat laps its water. The farms of the rich little valley back up to the river and take its water for the orchards and the vegetables. The quail call beside it and the wild doves come whistling in at dusk. Raccoons pace its edges looking for frogs. It's everything a river should be. So we do have this very evocative imagery and this isn't just in this one passage where these characters of Mac and his gang go out to the river to search for frogs. It's also in how the palace flop house, this shanty shack that they live in has been constructed with all these various random stuff being thrown into it it's the doc's own laboratory of clean neatness of of elegant touches of elegance i would say of the i guess street on where people live the cannery the the beaches all of this has this very evocative and i would say it's idyllic but it's not ideal so idyllic is really just conveying it had this sense to it of portions of these these amazing characteristics, but it's not an ideal time. Everything is not 100% completely great, but it does evoke, man, this this longing, this yearning. And so it's it's really funny because it sort of seems that this this nostalgia is brought up by by not having rules, I guess, of not having everything stuck in this one place and we somewhat see this with kids and the way they play games and whatnot there's no rules they just they create them up as they go and they they kind of go with the flow and so you can kind of live whenever and however you want we see so many of these characters doing exactly that they they you know will go to jail and they'll be happily in jail because then they're not having to go home to their wife and (laughs) you know all of these fun little things where you see, okay, they're they're creating their own rules, and this is how we're getting this sense of this kind of freedom of this carefreeness. Uh, we see this with Chong's bartering, with Eddie stealing, and you know all of these little informal rules are, are are being broken or manipulated and whatnot. And and so I guess what I should say is that there are informal rules that are in place, but there's no strict. You, you know, you can only live here if you have the proper permits and things like this. It's like, no, people were kind of content to to live how they wanted. And so this is also, I think, what makes up this, this yearning, this nostalgia is that the people of that time were a simpler time, a simpler people. And these people didn't want for grandeur. They had no aspirations to get the fancy new car or the new house or the better looking wife or this this real growth needing for something more for something better they were they were were pretty content and very much minding their own business as well so it wasn't like they were picking at other people and and saying you need to do this you should do this blah 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 no they were kind of like okay you know this person is how they are i'm i may like it or not like it but i don't have a say over what they should or shouldn't do and i'm not going to create rules in place of what they should and shouldn't do so this is also then Switching us onto the the next theme, I should say, is that nonconformist individuals who are unconventional, and pretty much everyone in this book is someone who I would say is relatively nonconformist. Now, in, in general, I think everyone in, in in life is unique, and it's it's somewhat of a spectrum of how that uniqueness shows, and this can go from the very 
NPC non-playable character who follows all the rules to a T and who you know barely breaks outside of the box or the mold that has fit them in their life to the most extreme out of the box almost mad character and you could probably even say that they are actually insane or crazy because they just do not follow any logic or sense or rules or things like that so you can have this spectrum and it's sometimes it's in the collective of people much like mac and the gang if you look at some of the individuals of that like hazel or uh, eddie they, they might not be that non-conformist themselves sure they've got some unique ticks or unique things that make them who they are but it's very much their collective as a group where you go okay they're living a very unique life in that you know they don't pay rent they all somehow live in this house together with no real rules they seem to get on very well they have no desire to really go out and find jobs and they just work kind of when they want to and whatnot so it can be non-conformist whilst not having these absolutely unique personalities but there are some who are very much stand out mac for example is a fascinating character and and doc to a certain extent as well so what defines someone who is non-conformist then if you if you're saying it's a spectrum what perhaps uh characteristics of them that that lead towards the edge i was trying to look this up and nothing really stood out for me some would say it's you know they're more don't give a damn they 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 go after their goals they do these things and that what i didn't really see it what i kind of got from this was i think they tend to focus more on contentment and i'm very particular that word contentment and not happiness so i'm going to jump here onto page 68 where mac and the boys have just been going to a uh, an, an area where they're collecting frogs and they've met this guy and he's invited them back to his his house his kitchen and they're kind of standing around waiting and they're looking at all of these things in this house and uh, what they found is that the wife is away and so they say and they were unconsciously glad she wasn't there the kind of woman who put paper on shelves and had little towels like that instinctively distrusted and disliked mac and the boys such women knew that they were the worst threats to a home for they offered ease and thought and companionship as opposed to neatness order and properness they were very glad she was away so what we can kind of see is people who are living this out of the box life who are these non-conformists they, they are by general i think looking for something that conforms to them and 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 is cont- contentment for them and their personalities which is what you can kind of expect from an individual if i have a predilection for music to the extent that all i want to do is listen to music each day well you're probably not going to have a standard nine to five job which will fit someone who is just so obsessed or so deep into that world and you can find this with other people and what can kind of come from this is i suppose a shunning of society this woman who i would say is more the standard person uh, she would see these characters and go you know they are reckless don't have jobs you know live by the day not contributing to society and things like this and would not want her husband to hang out with such people even though he has a very good time with them and it's kind of the first time in a long time that he he actually is enjoying himself and she can go yeah you know what these people should be shunned i don't want them interacting with me or other people who i 
uh, associate with. And so there is this somewhat shunning of people because they need they can't they don't fit in the box. And I think society by and large is dictated by rules of you fit in this way and you do this thing and and that's how large large groups of people, i.e., countries or townships or cities, get on. And if there's too many people who are living this kind of informal rules that suits them better and and that is unique to their personalities, I can kind of see why, yeah, okay, they're going to get shunned by society by and large because society might break if everyone tried to do that. So it's not all rosy to say just because you're nonconformist doesn't mean you're going to have everlasting contentment. No, there's plenty of hardships. There is plenty of failures. There's a lot of loneliness and negative feelings, some of this being caused by being shunned by other people, some of this being caused by you going down your own path and realizing, oh, okay, this is a lonely path. This is I'm, I might be the only person on this path for a long time and I might meet someone on this path and then, you know, we'll probably then separate on our, on our separate ways. So it's funny looking at this and going, okay, just because you're nonconformist doesn't mean life is all good and, and rosy. And a bad apple can probably ruin it as well. If uh, many times in the books, we see that Doc doesn't lock up his house. He doesn't bother. And Mac and the boys come in, they throw a party and they kind of trash the place. They did it in a good spirit. But, you know, if someone had come in and just decided to throw a party or just steal from Doc, that can kind of change a a society and, and can change a person who is maybe doing their own things And then it goes, okay, well, you know, a bad apple can come and and ruin what this person had. And and maybe then they will follow the rules more and, you know, lock up their house at night and invest their savings into a bank rather than in, you know, specimens or phonographic records or things like this. So there's various manifestations and this is kind of getting outside of the book as well. What we see in this book is it's very much the kind of rustic beatnik type of people who are that they're they're the type of non-conformists we see here Um, but i think there's plenty that you can see in everyday life and this can be entrepreneurs can be hackers can be hippies can be mega billionaires even Uh, and i think all of this is not directly linked to the searching for contentment but i think there is something about is trying to acknowledging your own personality and realizing, okay, having a nine to five job is not going to fit. It's not going to make me content and happy. If you want to put it that way, I'm going to try and go do my own path. And this is perhaps not going to look like what everyone else is doing. So those are the the two themes that I really took from this book. I'm going to jump now onto my own observations and takeaways. I can't overstate just how smooth the writing in this book is. Although it's somewhat fun in essence, I don't think there's real any huge deeper meaning behind any of these. It's not a book to to solve world problems. It's not a book to to really make you think deeply philosophically, I don't think. It's more just, you know, this was a time in the past and this was a feeling and he was trying to capture that. Um, and this is also why something more like The Grapes of Wrath is in my top 10 because... Steinbeck knows how to write. Holy shit, can he write some amazing passages? And I think when it is focused on a deeper topic like the, uh, you know, the the effects of the Great Depression on a large scale 
of movements of people, of the unfairness, inequality of people who are regarded as, you know, subclass or lower class of corruption of all of these sorts of things. And when he writes it in a, a more structured manner about a, a, a deeper, harder topic, this, that's where it goes like, oh shit, this is a book that's in the top 10. So this is not a, a top 10 book for me uh, that I've read, but man, you can see why his writing is so evocative and so powerful, I think. I also want to jump now onto page 63 at the bottom, uh, which is where it's just a, it's a fun little thing, which is talking about Mac, who is easily my favorite character in here. And so basically they were on this guy's land, the guy who uh, in, in eventually invites them up to, to help capture frogs at his house and whose wife wouldn't like them. And he was initially really hostile at them. And then he goes, oh, okay. You know, Mac kind of smooth talks his way into this guy's good graces, compliments him, compliments his dog, uh, has some witty observations, you know, says some things that the guy responds to. And then what ends up happening, he, he basically gets invited to the guy's house with all of his friends and the guy wants to help him. And so right after all of this kind of interaction has occurred, we have this. Hazel kicks sand on the fire. I bet Mac could have been president of the US if he wanted, he said. What could he do if he had it? Jones asked. There wouldn't be no fun in that. And I think that really gets to a heart of some of these characters as well. Just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Just because Mac has this amazing charisma of you know, thinking empathetically for other people, of trying to do good for the doc, it, it doesn't mean it, he has to use those things. And it doesn't also mean that he has other qualities which can stuff this up. So, you know, their first party they throw for the doc they'd end up just trashing the house. Doc doesn't even come. Uh, so they obviously have abdicated some responsibility for other people's uh, possessions and they don't, you know, really recognize, okay, we maybe shouldn't be doing this in Doc's house. And they try to force the party and whatnot. And so these characters, even though they are enigmatic and they kind of draw you in, I, I, you know, it's like, where can I meet a, a person like Mac in my real life? just because they are these kind of non-conformist kind of very intriguing, interesting people doesn't mean that they won't have qualities which will put you off. And, and if you meet them and you go, ah, okay, you know, just because they're kind of interesting in this one way doesn't mean that they're not total assholes in this other way. So it's a balance, it's a mix. And you just because a, a person might have this, you can also have like a nostalgia for a person or a type of person you know, it just, it doesn't actually mean that the past was all rosy and, and, and good. And that person is maybe not all rosy and good. So in summary, it's a beautiful meandering story with no classes, but plenty of meaning to it. I feel I struggled creating visual imagery just by nature. I'm, I'm not that great a thinker of imagining things in my mind's eye, but man, does this book take me to a world an era, a time period so clearly, so, so clearly, I could see these characters. I could see where they lived. I could feel and imagine what it is that they were feeling and imagining. So there's many laugh out loud moments at this when Mac is doing something funny or one of the characters, you know, does something zany and, and crazy. And there's also many sad moments and moments of loneliness, of pity, of hardship. So it's not all rosy and whatnot. It is a, a, a nice balance of between good and bad in this. Steinbeck's a great writer and I would highly recommend reading this 
and Grapes of Wrath and Sweet Thursday and I still need to read more. Uh, do you need to read this before Sweet Thursday? No, I think both books are standalone, but just in terms of ease, the I, I gave Sweet Thursday the same rating I'm going to give this. And the reason for that, I think, is it it is just this fun book which you can take some things from you want to and it, it doesn't have to be searching for something for finding meaning. It can just be like, here's a book about the past and people in that past and, you know, it's... Enjoy, experience it. So, John Steinbeck's Cannery Row. I'm going to give a very, very solid seven out of ten to. A very enjoyable. I would, I would recommend reading this. And that is it for today, my mere mortalites. Thank you for joining me to this part of the audio. What are your thoughts on John Steinbeck, on Cannery Row, on Mac Doc, on nostalgia, on nonconformism? I would love to know all of these things. The best way to do that is via saying in a boostergram. So boostergram is a message that you can send directly within the podcasting app. So you don't have to go outside. You don't have to go to another Instagram or some other bullshit. No, you can do it directly within the app by one click of the button, typing it and pressing send. Some of these apps you have to go and switch to because it's not in this functionality is not in all of them. And there's some laggards and these are usually the biggest apps. So I would recommend checking out one like Podverse or Fountain or Breeze or Castomatic, all of these. And there's a whole website you can see all of these on podcastapps.com. Choose one that you like, have a play around with them. And also in this sending of it, uh, of this message, uh, a payment, uh, uh, an amount of Satoshis is required to to actually be able to send the message. So that is also showing some uh, monetary support for me in this channel. You can select whatever amount you want. You can make it as little as, you know, 10 Satoshis, which is, I don't know, 0.001 or something like that. Or you can send in a larger amount. And uh, I would just recommend and highlight and say, I very much do appreciate the support for this channel. This is how I want to do it. The value for value model of supporting me and and all the work that I do here because I do spend a lot of time reading, do spend money on hosting this. I do spend time thinking about this deliberately and, you know, taking retakes and trying to improve improve my diction and and finding the most intriguing, interesting parts that you might enjoy, all of these sorts of things. So I would just recommend uh, sending that in and you can also share with a friend. You can also give me some book recommendations via any of the other social medias and things like that. And yeah, I really just do hope you're having a, a wonderful, fantastic day, even wherever you are in the world, not yearning too much more for the the past and the and falling into the trap of thinking it's all rosy. You know, that's, uh, that's not true. And until the next time, ciao for now, Kyron out.